The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your CJ Cup recap episode. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. What is up, Greg? All good stuff. What a weekend. Um, It's been a lot of fun, so happy to have you guys back on here with me. It's going to be hot fire because Kyle Porter is here with, I'm sure, some spicy takes. What up, KP? Yeah, I'm here. I'm in a new state this week. Where where is Kyle? Where where are you? Uh, well, I'm in Oklahoma. I'm on, I'm at my parents' house. To oh, the okay. chagrin of many, I'm not in my parents' basement. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this will be my fifth bed to have slept in in the last ten days. We're uh, we're inching closer to the house completion. But um, yeah, here we are from Oklahoma. I got some takes. Life right. on the road. We're, we're rooting for you. Yeah, you are a regular uh, traveling pro. Thanks for joining us. Uh, gentlemen, CJ Cup won by none other than Jason Kokrak in his 233rd career start on the PGA Tour. Greg, we'll start with you because you mentioned this uh, off the top before we, we went hot. I mean, this round of golf that he played on Sunday, an eight under 64 not a single bogey on the card steps up on 18 with a one shot lead. Absolutely pipes one down the middle. Like seems like he's been here before, even though he hasn't. Yeah. He was calm. You get the sense when, when I watch a player hit a tee shot like that in that moment, like he, you know, that driver's his favorite club and likely has been for a while. I think that's the thing with Dustin Johnson. Like he's always said, I, oh, well, like when DJ's in nervous moments, he said this about Ryder Cups before. Oh, I'm, I'm happy that first tee shot was a driver because I don't know if I could have gotten anything else on it. And 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 it's also his favorite club. And then for Kokrak, you, you just get the sense that he loves hitting driver. And that's why he's able to step up and hit that tee shot because it was, it was so good. But so was everything else this, this day. This round was ridiculous. He was third in uh, strokes gained tee to green. Right. I mean, go down the list here. He hit 17 of 18 greens in regulation. He's second in proximity on the day. And then he leads in strokes game putting. So he just he he made it easy on himself, but also sealed the deal. He he I mean, he made it hard on Xander. Xander gave him a really good push in the middle of that round and he just kept on running. So it was really cool to see a really impressive Sunday out of him. I think the big thing that I don't know if they talked about this. I don't always watch with the sound on KP, but uh, the, the this was a Coke rack Xander group that first of all, they went toe to toe with one another all Sunday long, but Jason day was in this group and he withdrew on like, I think after hitting his first shot on the second hole. So now you've got a group that is going toe to toe at, at shadow Creek where, 
pace of play is already really slow. You're now a twosome playing in a bunch of in a bunch of threesomes. Like, th- I don't know. I feel like this could have been a lot more difficult mentally than your average Sunday trying to capture your first PGA Tour victory in your 233rd career start. Especially with playing with Xander. I mean, you yeah. know that. I mean, Xander's got this sort of reputation. We'll talk about him in a minute, but this reputation of just closing so hard on on Sundays and you kind of see him coming I just I, I was really impressed with I mean Kokrak obviously made a bunch of putts on holes one through what was that 11 basically mm-hmm. he played the first 11 in seven under I think he yep. was yep and then he birdies 18 but I I kind of felt like the way he he closed it out was he, he had some really smart shots and you don't always see that from guys that are that are trying to close out their first. He's such a weird like case study, though, right? Because I think if you would have asked me uh, last week, like, "Hey, how many wins does Jason Kokrak have on the PGA Tour?" I would have been like, "I don't know, like one, maybe, maybe two, or something like that." Okay. And he's got none. And yet, if you look at his his FedEx Cup finishes, so he's 14th last year, 52nd, 77, 33, 100. 7362. So he's he's like this weird middle ground of being like really good on the PGA Tour but never having won. I I'm I'm not like I don't know if there's anybody else really like that on the tour that's not super young. I mean, I, I do you guys have another comp for that? Well, um I don't know if I have another comp. Um but I think that it makes sense when you look at his statistical breakdown, right? He's one of these players that year after year and this goes to everything that you you and uh, Kyle, you and Rick say, and it goes to what Mark says as well about the importance of putting. It, it really matches both. He consistently is in the mix, and he's he's around. Uh, he's a high finisher in the FedEx Cup without winning because of his ability off the tee. Right, he's ninth in 2020, eleventh in 2019. Keep going back, thirtieth in 2018, twelfth in 2017. He's consistently um, 11th and 16th. He's consistently a top driver of the golf ball. His iron play is pretty pretty good too, pretty spot on. But yet, you look at 2016 putting, 154th. 175th in 18, 110th, uh, I'm sorry, 110th in 18, um, 103rd in 19. He's never been inside the top 100. Last year, 151st. This year, well, 24th. But that has a lot to do. I mean, you, you end up with a win like this, and you lead the two, you lead the field in strokes game putting, and that's what, what it takes sometimes to cross you over that ledge especially in a field like this. So in some cases, it's surprising. It's not surprising at all that he's had the finishes in the FedEx cup that we've seen. It's surprising that he hasn't had a putting performance like this yet. Uh, This is the first one because I mean, you look at that stroke, it's really good. You would, you would expect that to pop up, but it just shows how hard it is to do. Real quick. I think that's a great point because I think that sometimes we, like we talk when we talk about, I think we sometimes do this thing when we talk about like DJ and Rory and some of these guys that are unbelievable ball strikers that Kokrak is kind of close to as if DJ and Rory are like not very good putters when they they actually are pretty good putters. And Kokrak is actually a, a really bad putter. Like he's like not good at all. And yet we sort of, I don't know, kind of lump all the bad putting quote unquote together and, and I think we kind of talk about it incorrectly. So I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a really meaningful point. He's kind of like the 
I don't know, American Ben on or something. <laughs> you know, he, he, he doesn't get into that ben group. <laughs> um, last are recent players to earn their first PGA tour win in limited field events. Here are the four most recent. Justin Thomas did it at the 2015 CIMB, which is that's this tournament now, right? CIMB or does that still exist? I'll, I'll check. I'll no, give you a little fact check here. That's different. That was in, uh, I think that was in Malaysia. Yeah, you're right. I, yes, that was in that's Malaysia. right. Lowry, 2015 WGC Bridgestone. Knox, 2015 WGC HSBC. Danny Willett, 2016 Masters. I guess that's considered a limited field event. I mean, okay, so where do these events rank, right? I mean, CJ Cup, relatively new. Zozo, which we're going to get next week, uh, very new as well. It's a stacked field, Greg. You've got a lot of big names here, but it's 78. You get some of the exemptions from, you know, the the Korean tour or the Chinese tour or the Japanese tour if we have, uh, the, you know, if we were going to play the WGC HSBC for the China guys um like where would you rank this caliber of victory for jason kokrak so this one's interesting um for a couple reasons typically an event like um like the cj cup an event like um like the zozo these are really good fields yet the time of the year that they are in the schedule they are almost they're almost standalone events the FedEx Cup is, while it's it, as important as it is for the FedEx Cup, it's so far down the line. It's important for player of the year, but it's so far down the line. You have time to make it up. Nothing's cemented, and you're going to have a, a holiday break in the meantime. So it's like you're getting a head start. It's uh, it, it's like um, free points, free money, It's it, it, and it's not free. It's earned, but it's, um, it, you know, you're, you're just taking it while you can. It's a bonus. It's like a bonus. And But now this year, there's something in November that we are we are playing for. We're measuring players' games and abilities, and everybody is trying to prepare for this event in Georgia in November, and it elevates the pressure in this event even more. Not that it's going to affect your ability to get in, but everybody playing, Xander who's playing, I mean, these guys are now in mid-season form. They're in major championship season form, and they're trying to get ready to go put on a green jacket. And so it it this year has a little bit of a elevated um, pressure, elevated meaning for the this event this week and, and next week as well. So I look at it as a, a really important event. I don't know if it's as big as a WGC. It's certainly not as big as Danny Willett's Masters, but I think it's <laughs> – Clearly ahead of Justin Thomas's um, win at CIMB, JT's just so young at that time. So I've I'm got a, sure. I've I've got a fact check here on the CIMB Classic. So Mark Leishman was the last winner in that 2018-2019 season. Then it was replaced by the Zozo. So not different tournament history, all that good stuff. CIMB uh, lost its events, and that sponsor doesn't sponsor anything else. Xander Shawfly, Kyle. Hell, hell of a Sunday. Goes out, shoots a 66, six under par, finishes two back of Jason Kokrak. I think that many will try to frame this as a disappointment, considering he was the 36-hole leader. He was two over on Sunday. But this is just another week that Xander puts himself in contention, week in, week out. Probably one of the most underrated players on tour at the moment. Um, but I think... A lot of, you know, when we start reading stuff tomorrow, it might be framed as a disappointment. Yeah, I think th there's a couple different ways to look at it, and I don't know that they are um, – I don't know that they clash. I think they can both kind of coexist. And one is that 
I mean, he's the best player in the world over the last four months, three months. If you look at if you if you only go off strokes gain, yeah, he's the best player in the world. And I don't know that very many people would be able to kind of identify that or or, or call it out. They would say DJ, they would say Bryson, whatever. But it's it's really been Xander, and you know, I think his his cross category ability is underrated. He's he's very JT ish in that he's good at everything. Yeah. But man, I it feels like he gets allergic to these leads sometimes. Like the 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 thirty six hole lead, seventy four on Saturday. It, I I get it if you if you're you know if you're around par and it's like okay I didn't have my stuff, but seventy four that's that's bad. And then even on on Sunday today, when he touches the lead, all of a sudden he's won over over the last five, and you're just like I don't know it. It just left me feeling a little bit. I don't know, just empty about kind of where he was at a couple of different times during the week. To frame that in terms of results, Greg, Xander's last victory, his fourth on the PGA Tour, was the 2019 Century Tournament of Champions. He's finished runner-up six times since then. That's... I don't know if that's variance. I don't know if it is to Kyle's point. He might get a little might get a little tight when he touches the lead, but we're we're starting to get to the point where you have six six runners up uh, since your last victory that there there might be something there. Well, it speaks to a couple things. What he's so consistent. And it's my favorite aspect of him. And I, I also, I wonder if it's something I, and Rick, I want to get your, your, uh, your thoughts on this. I wonder if it's something that hurts him in a way like Kyle, you bring up JT. I think there's some differences between JT and Xander where Xander is really good at everything across the board. He's last year was top 37 in all the major uh, statistical categories. JT to me has, is a little weaker in the putting and his driving accuracy is a little weaker yet his iron play is the best in the game, right? His wedge, his wedge play is amongst the best in the game. So um, he is the very best at something and Xander's not the very best at anything, but he's inside the top 40 and everything in everything. And I wonder if what, like, what is Xander Shoffley in his own mind, in his private thoughts, what does he lean on in his game when push comes to shove? If you're Justin Thomas, you say, okay, give me, give me a short iron, give me a wedge, right? Get, let's get, let's get a ball in play here. And I'm going to win this tournament with my iron play. If you're Bryson DeChambeau, you're going to say, I'm going to hit this. So I'm going to make this course so easy with my distance. This is my advantage. This is what I lean on. Um, Tiger had a lot of things he could lean on. He was the very best at everything. That's very rare. Not nobody really has that ability, but most players who win at very high levels have something that is they're the very, very, very best at. And I wonder if Xander isn't, what does is he, what does he have to lean on? What do you guys think about that? that that's, that's, a, that's really interesting. And to defend my point, they're both positive strokes gained in every category over the last six months. I, but what you're saying is true. Do you think, how about this? Do you think Xander or JT is a better driver of the ball? I, I give Xander an edge. I think that, um, while Xander may miss fairways, fairways, hitting the ball in the fairway or in the rough is irrelevant these days. But accuracy is still important. And I look at Justin Thomas as a guy who hits it into the trees sometimes. Like the tournament he won, uh, in Memphis, he, he hit it across the little cart path <laughs> bridge on 15, right? Like, like he can, and then he hit it way, way right on 18, which I know is a smart shot, but he can do that sometimes where yeah. it's a little more. Xander, I don't perceive that anyway. And I, I don't know if there's any numbers to back that up, but I feel like he's a little more accurate. No, the so over the last uh, 12 months, 
Xander is 0.74 strokes gain off the tee, and JT is 0.5. So it's it's not an insignificant. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a good sized, and that's a great call out because I think that that I think if you ask most casual fans who's a better driver, they'd probably say JT. I probably would have said JT just off the top of my head. So. I think that's interesting. I want to hear what Rick has to say about like what is Zane, what's Xander's kind of go to down the stretch. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he. So I think it's. I I like the way he he puts it under pressure, right? I think he has that really nice like left hand low stroke. I but I think the problem, and this is a larger problem on the PGA Tour, is if if you're relying on the putter, there's so many other things that have to go right to give you an opportunity to use that strength. It's like when tiger can't hit a fairway, he doesn't get to take advantage of his irons. It's like when you have a really great quarterback in the NFL, but your wide receivers can't get separation. Like you never get to use that strength that you have. And I think that unfortunately, sometimes uh, he doesn't give himself enough, enough opportunities to roll those putts in. But I do agree. I I think uh, like the visual stuff, and I don't have the numbers back this up, when when Xander's a little off with the driver, he he keeps it in play. When when JT's really off with the driver, it's three fairways over, and he's trying to figure something out from there. Right. The second round of the U.S. Open for JT, like at Wingfoot, it was a circus, and he <laughs> he got it to the house somehow. But it it is a good point because it feels like it feels out of control when JT's off. Yeah. Right. But he still could, he knows how to score. It's just, you know, it, it, it's a, it's something that could put you in a little trouble down the stretch. Yeah. Xander is 14 to one for that little tournament uh, in November in Augusta, Georgia. If you think his game translates there. Well, I, so I had something last week on CBSports.com about like five guys that you should bet right now because you're going to have shorter odds come mm. the masters and he was one of them i just thought i thought this two-week stretch he was going to play really well i think last week he was like 18 to 1 to win the masters yeah, that's probably right i also had matthew wolf on there so ignore that one <laughs> but uh i think he's a guy that if you if you were kind of getting in on him you probably even now i think he, he could end up at 12 um for augusta i think that's probably the like the shortest that he'll get to um but i don't know that's i think that's interesting i think he i mean he finished t2 last year He's he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I can't I can't wait to see it. Uh, speaking of phenomenal, Terrell Hatton shakes off the jet lag, Greg, which I was shocked. I mean, and he even told us. I think it was Friday or Saturday. He's like, I'm exhausted. Like this is I I don't I don't know what's in the tank. He follows up his 73 on Saturday with a 65 on Sunday, a round of seven under. He finishes three shots back of Jason Kokrak and. I don't know what to say. I mean, the the great run of success for Terrell Hatton, it just keeps chugging along. He's a, a, a really, really good ball striker, right? I mean, I was talking to Doug Bell on Thursday, um, and he was like, we don't consider him to be an elite ball striker. And it's something we talk about here. We talk about Hatton a lot on this show. Um, but I don't know if we put him in, the, in a class of like a – if we were doing this a couple of years ago, Justin Rose or, um, you know, Rory McIlroy, some of these great ball strikers on the year, Henrik Stenson, these great European Ryder Cup um, ball strikers, we would consider, I wouldn't have considered Hatton one of them last year. I wouldn't have considered him one of the great ball strikers. Yet here he is this week, second, um, second tee to green, first, um, what is, he's first approaching the green, 
That's right. And he, and he puts the lights out of it. He was 14th in putting so far for the week. So, I mean, he made 324 feet of putts for the week. It was, it was really, really impressive. And his game's really well-rounded as well. But I'm surprised at how much I kind of write off his ball striking ability. I don't, I don't think that I give him the credit, T to green, that he really deserves. What do you yep. think about when you think about him? Short game? Um, I, I think of him kind of all almost in like a, a Xander essence. I get gets in and put a putt in, I guess. I think he, he makes a lot of putts. I think a short game. I don't but I don't know. I feel like he's hot. I feel like it's gonna fade away. I don't feel like it's something that's sustainable. Like oh Patton had a great week. He's a he's a tour yeah, he's good. But he's re- I mean he's much more consistent T to green than than I give him credit for. So so that's what's interesting. So Kyle, I wanna get your thoughts on this because he is the streakiest, most consistent player around, right? Like when you look at his results and you see he's won three times in 13 starts, he's contended a bunch. He finished third here, but like when you watch him play, it's, it's all over the, I mean, he made, he made five birdies on Sunday on his back nine. He had nine birdies in total. I feel like just watching him, he makes a ton of birdies. He makes a ton of bogeys. It makes him look much more volatile than he actually is. If that makes sense. Like he's consistently, erratic and the scorecards always like a psychopath but it gets the job done week in and week out it's weird it is weird. i, I love hatton he's the i best. think he's i think he's awesome <laughs> like I, like i'm always interested when he's playing i'm always interested when he's near the lead uh he's just crazy enough to like that you're you're just you're in on like what, whatever he's doing you know and um, you know, you talk about like the most underrated guys in the world. He's got to be up there over the last year or so. I, I'm, I, I'm really interested though, because I, I'm with Greg a little bit of like, okay, is this, is this him kind of coming into his own and this is the level that he's going to exist at over the next five or six years, or is this kind of a one-off like, uh, you know, like, like he's, he's popping up and this is the highest he'll ever be ranked, uh, in the OWGR inside whatever he's at. 10th right now or maybe ninth by the time this comes out on Monday. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. He, he, do we know anything like, what was his amateur career? Like I, I don't have a ton on like his pedigree type stuff, but um, yeah, I think you're right. Like the consistent, like the, he's consistently not inconsistent, but he's consistently <laughs> crazy. He's consistently right. all over the place. And yet it right. re- results are what you want them to be. Top 25s and wins. Nine of 11 last year, nine of 11 events he played in on the PGA Tour were top 25s. Not, I mean, that that is and, and with a win. That's a lot. And so far this year, well, it's been, uh, it's been, I guess, decided he missed the cut at the U.S. Open, but he did what he did this week and last week. So, okay, real, real quick, to, yeah. so to, to Rick's point, this, this number backs it up. He was fourth on the tour last year in birdie percentage. So to be fourth in birdie percentage and we don't, you know, he, he, he was good, but he wasn't like, I mean, the other four guys in the top five are Webb, JT, DJ, and Bryson. Yeah, so those yeah. are guys that are winning two or three times a year. And he's not winning two or three times a year. I mean, at least on the PGA tour, he, he is globally. Um, so I think that speaks to your point, Rick. 
I, I am interested to see if this is like, have we reached ceiling Hatton at nine or 10 in the world? But I, I, I don't think this is a blip. I mean, the last four years, his official world golf ranking 2016, he finished 24th, 2017, he's finished 16th, 2018, he finished 23rd and 2019, 2019, he was 32nd, 2020 will be uh, presumably much better than that. So you're talking about five straight years where he's been like a top 30 player in the world. So uh, I don't know if you guys have heard this stat, but I think it's something like the general turnover in the top 10 and official world golf rankings is like 20%. So on a typical year, two guys in, two guys out is, is the typical kind of a thing. Uh, and to me, like if you're eight, nine, 10 in the world consistently, that's a really good peak. And if he could stay there for a couple of years, he'd be, it, his viewpoint would change. I don't think Hatton has to raise his world golf ranking number to gain respect. He just has to keep it around where it is and, and play a little bit more in the U S and I think he'll gain the respect that he needs, but can he, can he keep it? I guess is the question. Cause if you fall to the 25th in the world, you're a great player, but you're not recognized nearly in the same light. His, uh, his Wikipedia page says for amateur career, Hatton qualified for 2010 Open Championship as an amateur. That's his entire amateur career. That's it. Illustrious. So we might have to dig a little deeper than Wikipedia on that one. I love it. Uh, 33 to 1 to win the Masters uh, in November, which is kind of an interesting little number. Do you like that, Rick? Do you like the Masters number? Um, I So, like, in a vacuum, yes, but I just know that probably a couple weeks ago it was probably, like, 50. So, like, it, it, it hurts me, like, I think in a vacuum, he wins it more often than what, like 3% of the time or whatever he'd have to win it to make that number come true. But I just know it was much better three or four weeks ago. Yeah. But I think it's. Well, Rick, I mean, what does the spreadsheet say? How, <laughs> I'd have to run the numbers he won? on that one. Three, three of his last 13. Or three of his last Look, there's 13. only one good bet according to the spreadsheet. It's Webb Simpson. So, That's I mean, yeah, I think Webb is looking for a second green jacket. <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, big storyline coming into the week Brooks Kepka. Uh, dealing with the knee injury and then the hip and everything else that's going on finishes T28 Greg, which um, I, I don't know what our expectations were. He obviously said expectations were winning. He's always going to say that. Uh, I think that if you just get through this four rounds uninjured and feeling good, that's probably a win. Yeah. Uh, well, uninjured is the key, but <laughs> how do we, how, when, at what point do we know that he's uninjured? And that's what I struggle with. You can't, and I'm not saying that he's, he's intentionally misleading us because I do believe that there's a chance that he realizes now he was more hurt than he was. I think that's a real possibility, but I can't believe when he says now at this point, um, Oh, I'm healthy. I'm a hundred percent. I can't, I can't believe it. I need to see, a, a significant time period where it's not an issue. It's consistently I'm um, healthy and the play kind of needs to improve to back it up. Otherwise I'm always going to be wondering. So I, I, I really look five under par shoots for the week. There's some good, there's definitely some good. It's a, it's a rep to take the rust off a little bit. And you look at this and it, it's hard for me to say one way or another, this is good or bad, or indi- I guess indifferent is where I stand. Cause I don't know the state of his health. And it looks good, but I need more time to see if that's really the case. We'll never know, Kyle, right? I mean, we're just going to have to see what the next three, six, nine months looks like for him. Yeah, he, he, yeah. I, I mean, 
whatever. Like, I, I don't. It, so, did you see what he said on Thursday after round one? Uh, what did he say? He said, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm kind of just treating this as like a warm up for Augusta, which is like, <laughs> I get it, but it's also like, uh, you're playing for like $9.75 million. <laughs> like, and you haven't played in two months. Like, it's just. I don't know. I, it's just the stuff, the way he says stuff just kind of annoys me. And I think that leads to my, I don't know if it's frustration, but with the injury stuff, I'm just kind of like, whatever. Like if you're at an event, I'll cover it. And if not, then you're not, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't have much more than that, I guess. I want to talk Zozo, which we've got a tiger sighting next week. We've got to, we've got to talk tiger and Phil. It's 2020. We've got to talk Tiger and Phil after the break. We've got to do odds and ends. Uh, but, Greg, we'll, we'll do this. We'll wrap with this before we go to break. Jason Kokrak, $1.75 million in the bank account. Uh, what would your night in Las Vegas look like with $1.7 new million in your, in your account? Uh, I, I might be at the airport. That is a dangerous, that, that's a dangerous combination. I know that's going to really hurt Jacob. That's really who we should be asking here. That's going to hurt him to say that I'd be trying to get out of there as soon as possible. But uh, yeah. Do you guys know, can you guess Jason Kokrak career earnings? Not, not including today, not including today. Uh, uh, so 9 million. I was going to say 10. 13.1. Wow. Okay. Pretty good. He's played in like 15 majors and won 13 million, and he's never won a PGA Tour event. That's crazy. Producer Jacob would have donated half of that back to a, a casino before he left town. <laughs> Probably <laughs> MGM. <laughs> William Hill. William Hill. Sorry, William man. Hill. Come on, come guys. On, come on, William Hill. Exactly. Would have. Isn't that what I said? That. There would be there would be a bunch of blog posts about how there's a three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> master's ticket master's ticket on Hideki or something. Roy Sabatini. Roy Sabatini. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's my cue. We're gonna take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance 
performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Uh, Zozo Championship. Now just a few days away, Tiger Woods, of course, is going to be the storyline. Gentlemen, uh, KP, we went through this last week. Tiger Woods did, in fact, need a sponsor's exemption to get in this week because it's these are the two hardest events to get into in the entire world. But um, we'll, we'll play the expectations game with Tiger. Uh, last time we saw him, he was, what, missing the cut at the U.S. Open? Uh, hasn't finished inside the top. 50 in a while. I mean, what, what are we expecting? Uh, he's won here five times at Sherwood. What, what do we think? Yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I think, I think my expectations have shifted a little bit for him since the, the 19 masters win, you know, even, even going into that, when you looked at his five events leading into the 19 masters, you're like, ah, he's striking the ball really well. And he's not right now. Like he hasn't at all in 2020. He's just, the the tee to green stuff is not sharp, and so I don't I don't know how you I, I get he's Tiger like he's all this stuff, but I, I just don't know how you can go in thinking like oh he can be like really competitive with Xander Shoffley right now I, I just I don't know how that is like a reality now maybe 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 he's worked some things out since the U.S. Open I think I think this event will be telling for the Masters you know I think you know I said this before his game doesn't have to be. I mean, it wasn't lights out at the 2019 Masters, which he won. It was good. It was solid. It was good. But it wasn't like he played the best event of his life. It doesn't have to be amazing, but it's got to be sharper than it has been. And I think that's kind of the thing I'm looking for is the tee to green. Like, how 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 sharp are you, and is it better than what we've seen so far in, in 2020? How about this? Just saw our our buddy Eric Patterson at EPAT Golf tweet this. Uh, Tiger is going to defend – in two consecutive starts. So he's <laughs> he's going to defend Zozo and he's going to defend at Augusta, which is phenomenal stuff. But Greg, it certainly feels like we are very far removed from ti- like that version yeah. of Tiger, even though it was yeah. you know just a year ago. But uh, the entire calendar year of 2020 has not been kind to one Mr. Woods. I, I spoke to some people um, at, who were at the 2019 Masters. And they were talking about, was it me? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I think you were playing, but it was, uh, <laughs> no, it was my, uh, Michael Breed was there covering it and he was on the range um, doing some, um, some coverage on the range. And he said, he looked at tiger and it was like com- completely different. Just watching him before the tournament walking around, there was a completely different um, like straw uh, stride. He looked like he knew that he was going to win. And when he got to the range and started hitting balls, he wasn't working on anything. He was just 
he was just hitting balls. There was no, there was no practice sessions. There was no um, rehearsals with the club of getting the club into a different position. It was like, he knew he was just practicing the shots he was going to have to play. And he was in a trance all week. And we haven't seen that since. And so to Kyle, to your point earlier, if he was striking the ball really well heading in, he was in, he was in command of his golf ball and he got into the heat of the moment and he knew kind of how to pace himself um, yeah. and, and get the job done. And I don't see anything of the sorts since, since the president's cup last year, I, I haven't seen anything anywhere close to, um, to, to that feeling, which it was Zozo and then president's cup. He, he was in control of his ball. And so now looking at, looking ahead to this week and looking ahead to masters, at least for this week, if your prediction is that he's going to play great, it's based on either course history or it's just you're a fan and, and you're guessing because there's been no evidence to say that he's going to play really well this week. Sherwood's a tough course and it's not very forgiving. So I have, I have some real concerns with him this week um, and I'm happy to be proven wrong as Tiger's proven many of us wrong many, many times. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but um, man, I, I'm not expecting a, a great showing from him. Great, great call on President's Cup. He was awesome in that event. Awesome. Yeah. And that's what, best player, right? Well, and that and that's why coming into 2020, you're like, oh, okay. Like that's that's a real thing. And then it just it hadn't panned out. So so think about this. So he went, okay, so he wins Zozo. He finishes then he, I think then it was President's Cup and he played great. He finished fourth at his hero at the Hero World Challenge, which is only 18 players. Then he got to Tory. And remember on Sunday on number two, where his ball went halfway down and no, it went all the way down and bounced up. Like, could you imagine if he, if that goes down, he gets the momentum. Like he, I mean, he finished ninth there, but he could have gone on a run of win president's cup fourth and like another top three. And I I remember how excited I was. That feels like a, a million years ago. That's the 2020 version of the, the ball hitting the stick on 15 at Augusta. Oh my God. Oh Yeah. That's what that was. That was the that was the 2013 Masters that Adam Scott went on to win, and it wasn't like the weird thing. I don't know why we're talking about the 2013 <laughs> Masters. The weird thing about about that year's Masters was it wasn't really played that great until I mean the the last like five holes were awesome because it was Scott and Cabrera and it was kind of crazy, right. but it wasn't like a lights out runaway like nobody was beating this guy thing. Um, so yeah, that's I don't know that I, I wonder how much stuff like that, like the butterfly effect, play, plays into it. That'll keep me up tonight. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Phil Mickelson uh, has won again. It's not on the PGA Tour; it is on the Champions Tour. He's now two for two. He's undefeated as he closed out the Dominion Charity Classic. And Greg, before we got started, you were like, "How's this going to impact his world ranking?" And then. <laughs> And then we broke the news that they don't get any points for this, and you are you are appalled. You you were appalled. That Phil yeah, I'm surprised. Look, I mean, these are some rankings. of the best. I know that they're like the the World Golf Rankings covers so many different events, right? It covers professional golf um, across the whole world, like like tours of various levels. You would be surprised if you looked at the site and what kind of tour events you could play in and get world golf ranking points. You would be, you would be surprised. And you have Phil Mickelson and, and beating Mike Weir down the stretch by three is getting nothing for it. 
It's getting nothing. I mean, you, you could have, they do have events where only the winner gets world golf ranking points and you end up getting like five points or whatever. They, they have different ways to break this down. I'm just a little surprised that the winner on PGA tour champions doesn't get a, you know, couple, a little something for the effort. So, so I, to Greg's point, KP, I'll tee you up on this. To Greg's yeah. point, um, producer Jacob is putting in other tours into the outline right now that do get official world golf rankings. And he typed in Big Easy Tour, Alps Golf Tour, Abima TV Tour. I don't know if he's even trolling me or not on, if he's typing these in. The, uh, but, but like these get points and the Champions Tour doesn't. All Thailand. The Big Easy <laughs> Tour gets points, but the tour the Big Easy is on does not get points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I, but I think, I mean, I, I love Greg's take on this. I think it's correct. But also, isn't the PGA Tour Champions like this weird, like you can't, it's like really hard to play your way on. I wonder if that, ha- it, it seems to be like this weird, like invitation only type thing, sort of like, although you get, you get world ranking points for the hero world challenge. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm just saying they should get something. It I doesn't have it. to. Yeah. <laughs> we, we made fun of Greg before we went hot and now I'm like, kind yeah. of convinced he's right. <laughs> now you're thinking about it. Now you're on my side. Uh, real quick, I mean, K- KP, put a bow on Phil Mickelson for us. I, I, is he is he just going to start playing more Champions Tour events? I mean, I know he loves a cool like half a million bucks every time he tees it up if this is going to be the level of success that he has. And uh, obviously nowhere near that level of success that he's had on the PGA Tour recently. Like where does he fit right now? It is weird because like, – do you think Tiger will do this? No. I don't either. I think Phil's just like – addicted to the to golf yeah like i think i think well phil's in much better shape to play more golf he's he's also i think he probably at this point of his career enjoys it more uh not to say that tiger doesn't i think tiger's playing legacy golf he's chasing 18 he's like he's just that's what he that uh, that's what he's doing like if, if tiger had 19 major championships uh you might see him once a year at augusta yeah. Yeah. I, I think players prepare for events differently. And Tiger is always prepared for events by practicing, right? Tiger will disappear to prepare for an event and maybe play one or two to, to get ready. But he's always, it seems like at least he feels like he can prepare without going to a tournament where Phil plays in tournaments to prepare. And I, I think Phil's playing this week. I think he played in the uh, played in the Ozarks because he wasn't in the PGA Tour event, and he has a certain number of reps, tournament reps, he wants to get before he plays in a major. So I think you may see him play um, PGA Tour champion events when there's a WGC match play. If he's not in that, right? If he's outside the top 64 in the world and he's not in that, he may play uh, on PGA Tour champions or something like that, where he has something he's getting ready for, but um, but he's not able to play the PGA Tour at that time. And some people prepare for majors by hitting drivers in their living room. So, yeah. <laughs> you know? By the thousands. Whatever works. Whatever <laughs> works for you. Uh, odds and ends. Gentlemen, we actually had a pretty great bounce back week. Uh, unfortunately, we fell short of a really, really great bounce back week because, Kyle, you had Xander as your pick to win. Unfortunately, you don't get anything for second, but we give you a tidy golf clap for being close. You get the horseshoes, right? Like almost. Yeah, he was also my one and done, so I'd actually do get something for it. But we'll get to that yeah. in a second. Um, that, that's in the next segment. 
Sorry, I I uh, I'm just I'm run I'm just running over your your job right. That's okay. Uh, Greg, shout out to you. I believe Russell Henley was your sleeper and my yep. best bet as a top ten lock, which paid out at six to one. So Russell Henley, though he faded on Sunday, uh, lined our pockets a little bit. Yeah, and he was a big play for us both in DFS. Um, in as what seventy one hundred. So great play if you followed along on Monday. We will uh, be back at it again on Monday for the Zozo, that DFS preview, obviously, coming matchups. Uh, we all did pretty well. So, Greg, you and I – actually, sorry, scratch that. We all went four and two. Rick, Greg, Kyle. Mark did not. Mark was two and four, I believe, which is probably his first losing week in quite some time. Uh, but we had a tiebreaker, uh, which is what we do via the odds, and you and I, Greg, are going to get half of – the matchup belt each because we beat Kyle by $11. Yes. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm not enjoying this win at all, but yeah, I know. <laughs> but we, uh, we, we had the same picks. I find that quite interesting. I do find it quite interesting considering I submitted mine live on the show <laughs> and you texted <laughs> yours in later. So I also find it interesting. that, uh, let, let that <laughs> Jacob sent me a message. He sent me a text message. I have the proof of this. We can take mm-hmm. screenshots all you want. He sends me a list, all the, all the matchups. I reply with the winners almost, almost immediately. Um, and also this is another point brought up. I, I'm not sure why, if I was going to copy somebody's picks, <laughs> I think I would have gone two and four. <laughs> Believe it at that. That's very true. That's how I know you were uh, you were very honest and just made your own picks because you would not have tailed me. In any uh, all right, one and done time. So, KP, this is where you get to shine. You and I both had Xander. We earned $1,053,000, which moves you, Mr. Porter, to the top of the one and done standings with me nipping at your heels just $15,000 behind. Yeah, I'm kind of like uh... – Phil at, you know what, remember when he would like start out the year on the West coast and just be lights out and you're like, Oh, it's going to be a big year for Phil. And then he just, the last six months, you're like, is he still playing? Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's how I was last season. And apparently that's how it's going to be again this season. It's I start out hot and then I just fade so hard down the stretch. Greg, you went with Hideki Matsuyama, which got you $91,956. You have you are getting closer to chasing down Mark. So here are the current standings. Kyle, 1.3. Rick, 1.3. Mark, 1.0. Greg, 925,000. Producer, Jacob, 429,000. Well, there's a long way to go. I mean, we're we're all right there. 43 you, events to go. Yeah, I mean, it's a super <laughs> season. So we're pacing ourselves. And one thing, I, I just... I, I feel I still feel pretty good. I feel like I got a lot of weapons. I got a lot in my pocket, which you should at this point. But I'm I'm happy... Hideki, I was hoping to get a little more out of. Not a great Sunday, but, you know, we're all right there. It's a great race so far. I think everybody's still in the mix. I want. Can I pick Xander again next week? Because I want to. <laughs> <laughs> we could, we, the super season should be two and done. Well, we That's did, the we challenge did, of one and done. We did successfully lobby producer Jacob to, like, change the rules in the last tournament last year. So, like, we might be able to just on, get him to switch. On, like, Wednesday play. night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Greg wasn't even – Greg was like, no, I don't think we should change. We're like, no, we're actually all changing. (laughs) You've been voted off. We all remember how that turned out. (laughs) Yeah, you ended up with it anyway. Um, (laughs) All right, gentlemen. 
I think that'll do it. We've got a big cat week next week for the Zozo. So obviously we'll be right back at it. DFS preview on Monday. I assume we're doing storylines on Tuesdays and round by round recaps after each and every round. That's Kyle Porter. I want to thank him for joining me. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. That's Greg Ducharme. Thanks, Greg. You can find him at the real GFD. You can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.